standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's episode of The Sunday Chops. Just the one episode for you this week, I'm afraid. But to be fair, we are quite busy next week in the run-up to International Women's Day. We are going to have a podcast for you every freaking day next week featuring the likes of Amelia Bulmore, Sophie Walker, Helen Lewis, Sue freaking Pollard. There's more. I just can't fit them all on the post-it note that I have in front of me. So if you want to make sure you don't miss any of those, and I suggest that you do not because they're all going to be fantastic, subscribe. Hit subscribe right now. Don't miss any of them and help us make a bit of cold hard advertising cash. Thank you. Also, if you'd like to help us, we've got a show coming up. It's in Birmingham at Podfest Birmingham, which is on March the 29th. And we will be joined by... Actor and writer Helen Monks, comedian Janice Connolly, aka Mrs. Barbara Nice, and the boss herself, Sarah Millican. So please do get a ticket for that ASAP. You can do that by visiting our website, standardissuepodcast.com, and there you will also find information of other upcoming shows. Now, back to this week's podcast, I caught up with writer Molly Aitken back in January to chat to her about her absolutely stunningly gorgeous book The Island Child is brilliant read it honestly you won't regret it so we had a little natter about that about complicated female characters about having Faye Weldon as a freaking tutor and about mythology and looking at it through a sort of contemporary lens it was a lovely chat and I hope that you enjoy listening to it I'm joined by Molly Aitken, author of the new book, The Island Child. Hi, Molly. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. We're in the, we're in a sort of weird disused office above Waterstones on yeah. Gower Street. Yeah, it's a bit chilly and slightly yeah. weird, creepy windows, but... Yeah, and you may hear the it. occasional sort of roadworks from from outside, but it feels, <laughs> I feel a bit special being up here, to be yeah. honest. I don't think people usually get to come back <laughs> do, into they this do. part of the bookshop. Do, they do. So thank you, Simon, who's yeah. been very accommodating indeed. So you've got an event here. I do. Tonight. Yes. To launch the publication of your new book. Yes. So I've read it, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, of course. So um, it's about a young girl growing up on an island off the west coast of Ireland and it's about all the kind of uh, gossip and dark stuff that goes on in small Irish communities according to me <laughs> and it's also about mothers and daughters and also has sprinklings of folklore and the strange kind of Irish symbiosis of religion and folklore which somehow work together hmm. yeah so what it does is it follows the story of una yes who is born at the beginning of the book and then she, she sort of it tells her story of her growing up with her brothers and her mom yeah. and into adulthood mm. after some like sort of very catastrophic yeah. life events yeah. she has quite a traumatic history yeah. let's say part of the book is told from the present tense when she's much older in her 30s and uh, a lot of it is her kind of looking back and reconnecting with her past. And she loses her daughter. And in her search for her daughter, she gets kind of pulled back into that history and 
Yeah, the island kind of doesn't let you go. Mm. Yeah. But I suppose it's a bit like that wherever you're from, really. Yeah, I feel that as well. But I'm from so many different places that it's a bit split for me. Because mm. <laughs> so I was born in Scotland and brought up in Ireland. But yeah. So where you're from in Ireland, does it bear any resemblance to, to mm. where the book is set? Well, that's a good question. So I was brought up in West Cork. Uh, right on the sea, almost as far south as you can get in mm. Ireland. So I grew up by the ocean, and there's a lot of islands around there which we visited throughout my childhood and my teens. And then later on, I moved up to Galway, and I did my undergraduate there in classics and literature. And so the island in the island child is actually based on several islands off of Galway and they have actually influenced a lot of writers these Pacific Islands the Aran Islands which mm. you might have heard of yeah that's where the Aran sweater comes from <laughs> oh good work guys yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah and there's, there's been a lot of different books and plays and poetry about those islands there's something quite romantic about them and people really fall in love with them and mm. I did as well so. and the sea as yes. well so the sea is, you know, obviously quite. A, I suppose if you're if you're on an island, the sea yeah. does tend to be. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's, it, yeah. it really is. So it tends to be sort of fairly significant, mm. and I suppose the sea is sort of romanticised a bit as well. How yeah. does that kind of play into yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So they they rely on it heavily because it provides their food. So a lot of the men, in fact, all of the men are fishermen. But it holds a kind of magical power almost over them because it gives them life but it can also take it away and they can die at any moment so it's quite threatening and throughout the book I think you kind of feel the ominous presence of it but also for Una as a child it's kind of it has its magical powers for her as well Mm. like there's different sort of folklore beliefs about sea fairies and strange happenings with a whale uh, which, if you've seen the cover, there, there's the whale. <laughs> so it has all these different things about it, but it's always powerful and it's always present for them. The book is kind of interwoven with like folklore and mm. things like that, as you sort of said. Yeah. And the underworld of Tiernanog. Yes. Is that how you say it? Yeah, it is. That's pretty Tiernanog, yeah. Boom. Got it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that? That's just part of Irish folklore belief really Mm -hmm. is the fairy world and there's a lot of different stories about uh people getting taken there and then when they return uh it'll be a hundred years will pass but for them it will just been a night (laughs) and there's a fairy king and queen who oversee the whole thing and it's beautiful but also dangerous and children often get stolen and taken there in irish folklore yeah the book is kind of like a retelling of Persephone, Persephone. Yeah. yeah, and the, Demeter, yeah. Yeah, the Greek myth. Yes. So I was quite interested when I was mm. reading it, sort of how the two yeah. are sort of linked. I didn't initially see the link. Um, I've always loved the myth of Persephone and Demeter. Can you tell us yeah. what that myth is? So uh, it's a mother and daughter. Demeter is the mother and she takes care of the earth and she brings growth and life to everything. And Persephone is her daughter, and she really loves her daughter. And then one day her daughter is stolen from her by Hades, god of the underworld. And Demeter goes into a kind of deep grief about it, and the world 
essentially dies. And that's how we get the seasons. So it's a nice little mm. explanation of our world. Uh, when she's sad, we have winter. But then she makes a deal with Hades that her daughter will come back. But unfortunately, her daughter has eaten some seeds of the pomegranate, which is quite a famous symbol in it. So Persephone can only come back six months of the year. So that's when we have summer and spring and everything is beautiful and growing. And then when her daughter returns to the underworld, everything dies again. So it's kind of the age-old myth, basically. I suppose it's a bit like Adam and Eve and and that kind of thing. Basically, the (laughs) half idea is the woman fucks it up by, by... succumbing to temptation yes exactly and her mother suffers for it as well not just her her mother too so that does kind of link to the book yeah and initially when I was writing the book I didn't think about that link but when I sort of found it it made the book make sense to me completely and then that kind of mother-daughter difficult relationship in some ways became the huge focus for Mm. me just going back to Link there with Tirnanog, that kind of underworld and the king of the underworld and his queen who was named Una. Yeah, it sort of it fit for me in a, a strange kind of way of having both of them. Yeah, because I'm just addicted to mythology, so I want to have, mm. have it all. And I think all myths and all folklore kind of uh, link to each other in different ways. I think a lot um, of them are sort of... The kind of foundational or something. Mm. Yeah. I'm quite interested in, well, particularly two of the aspects of the book. Mm. So, one, the idea about mental health kind yeah. of side of things. So, yes. Una's mother has a bit of a bit of a time of it herself. Yeah. And then Una goes on to also have a bit of a time of it. Yeah. Um, really, really <laughs> Without going into there. detail. Yeah. So they both sort of have mental health problems because they both lead really quite traumatic lives. Yeah. Just based on their environment as well, in a sense, and it links back to the sea, their lives are incredibly hard, just physically every day, getting food on the table. But they also have Catholicism, which in Ireland is <laughs> a big looming presence. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very strict ideology especially for women and women don't come out well in it so all of that kind of philosophy and ideas is going on in Una's mother's mind Um, and she really presses that onto Una so uh, growing up under that is like it's not easy and she's very restricted and can't really do anything herself because she's a girl and her brothers have a lot of freedom yes (laughs) they they can go off and she wants to be fishing and hunting but she can't because um, she's stuck at home. So her eldest brother in it, in the in the book, is like an, a weird kind of like old man child. Like he's out on the boat, yeah. smoking a fag, yeah. you know, just having a hard day at the office or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, kind of, <laughs> I made him like that because seeing pictures of these boys, they looked quite old. Like mm. the environment right. physically yeah. aged them very quickly, which is incredibly sad, but... Yeah, that was just the life they lived. So in some ways, you could say that she was lucky because she didn't have that difficulty, but she's massively lost her freedom because of that Mm. as well. 
So I was quite interested in, in that aspect of it, but also it seems about motherhood and mm. the difficulties in those relationships, because they can yeah. be difficult relationships. <laughs> I love this topic. <laughs> yeah, I think there's like an opinion in society that mothers should be perfect. And that's just, that's not life. And also, like we were mentioning earlier, like mothers have their own trauma and their own difficulties that they're working through. And it's not necessarily their child's fault. And we can't blame them for that. But yeah, I think women have this expectation over them that they have to be amazing mothers. And really, I wanted to show that often they're not, and that's okay. And children can get through that as well. Hey there, you lot. If you want to follow every aspect of our lives on social media, and why wouldn't you, because you're only human, you can! We're on Twitter as a team, at Standard Issue UK, or individually on at Inspiragen, at That Dunleavy, and at Mixta Noonan, and I'd like to think it'll be fairly obvious who's who. We're on Facebook as well, at Standard Issue Magazine, and even Instagram, at Standard Issue Podcast. Come to us, look at our faces. Una's mother is really, really not okay. But as you say, she obviously has her own issues. What drew you to those kind of central themes? I don't know. I think probably my own relationship with my mother, which is really good. (laughs) But um, I'm from like a single parent family, so I'm really close with my mother. Mm. So I've always been kind of fascinated with how that relationship evolves. And it really does change throughout the novel, especially with Una and her own daughter as well. Yeah, your relationship with your parents is quite different when you're older than when you're a child. And maybe you can see different things about their behaviour that you didn't realise at the time. You sort of maybe blamed them. But looking back, you get a different perspective. Mm. So that really interested me. But I can't really say exactly why. I was so drawn to it. But I think it does come back again to the myth of Persephone as well. I've just always been fascinated with that. And that, to me, is quite symbolic of how your relationship changes when you grow up and you get married. And in a sense, you could look at that myth as just the daughter saying, see ya, (laughs) I'm off to my new life. Like That can be incredibly difficult for a parent to admit that their child has grown up. Is this your first novel? It is. I used to work in advertising for a while. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And I did a master's in creative writing. And I was really, really lucky in that I had Faye Weldon as my supervisor. Oh, wow. I know. I was so lucky. <laughs> and so she actually helped me with this book. I, don't, I remember when I first started writing it, Una was quite an old woman. And she was like, people aren't interested in old people. She was like, controversial. I know. <laughs> and she was like 86 at the time when she told me that. Her advice was amazing, really. And she, she really influenced it, I think, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, she probably wouldn't admit to how much help she gave me. But yeah, I really believe in mentors. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we talk about it much in writing. Um, like people are kind of seen as doing it on their own. But actually, I think so many different voices come into it from your editor and your first readers everything Mm. really helps 
um, certainly for me anyway. Because she's yeah. written some quite meaty roles yeah. for women and oh, about yes. mothers. And yeah, yeah. And at a time when not many people were doing that as yeah. well. She she really believes in, like, I kind of hate the phrase, but strong female characters. But, like, complicated ones as well. Yeah. With a lot, a lot of different sides to them. And sometimes they're, inverted commas, bad as well. Like the lives and loves of a she-devil. Which is something that her, I think people might think of Una as well, as being bad in some sense. Do you think? Well, yeah, some people have said that to me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because she doesn't strike me as bad at all. I think people don't like that she's a bad mother, coming back to that, in some ways, some elements of her mothering. Mm. Um, and pe- I don't think people are very forgiving of that often. Of a woman who's a bad mother? Yeah, yeah. They can forgive a lot, maybe, but not that. I suppose that that is quite interesting because mm. the way I, I think she's a really very sympathetic character. You know, yeah, she's that's had, what I think as well. Had a hard life. She's had a traumatic yeah. life, and she responds to trauma in a particular way. And yeah, and that's like you say, as a parent, you carry yeah, your, your own, history exactly yeah. into your life, and and that can be you know that can impact on your children, obviously. Yeah. So it's interesting that people say that, but I suppose yeah. it goes back to what you said about Faye Weldon and quote-unquote strong female characters, but yeah. there aren't enough of them and women aren't seen in these multifaceted yeah. ways. Yeah, exactly. And I would say that there there are a lot more strong female characters now, but what I would love to see more of is, like, incredibly flawed ones. <laughs> yeah. Because, like... I think that's what being human is and we have seen a lot of male characters that way and we don't blame them for being that way Mm. so yeah I think there's maybe a little bit more space for that it is happening for sure but yeah you know I was was thinking about this a bit this morning in a way uh, because obviously very sad very tragic Kobe Bryant the basketball star helicopter crash has killed him and his daughter and a bunch of other people feel like a bit of a prick saying a bunch of other people um but you know there there were more people on Hmm. on the helicopter than just him and his daughter but obviously so i've been reading a lot of articles about obviously there were um, some allegations made against him a while ago Mm. and the sort of problematic nature of idol worship when your idols are flawed yeah and now i would argue that rape is a bit more than a flaw but he did actually not admit to raping her, but he did afterwards actually say, mm. I realise that we've seen this event very differently. And whilst I didn't see it that way, I can actually understand why she did now. Yeah. And I think even if he hadn't said that, people will, mm. people worship who they want to worship. But it's interesting that, you're right, people are very unforgiving of women who make mistakes. Yes. Yeah, I think so. But it's interesting that he was able to see her side of the story. And maybe her telling that sort of helped him be able to see that. So I think if we have more women's voices, women who are able to speak about these kinds of things, yeah, it it maybe opens our minds a little bit more and maybe we stop blaming as much victims in these scenarios. Mm. So, yeah, obviously it's your, as you said, it's your first book. Mm. Are you working on any other projects at the moment? I am. I'm working on a second novel. Oh. Yes. Um, 
and it is also based on a myth. Oh, what's the myth? <laughs> it's the myth of Cupid and Psyche, which is, again, not that well known because it is about a woman. <laughs> mm. And she's, she's quite a hero in it. She's almost like a feminine Hercules. She goes off and she does all these tasks. And I just love that. But when I came across it, I realised I'd never heard about it before. And when the two of them were pictured, it's usually of, like, them kissing. And that's all we kind of see of Cupid and Psyche, this love affair. And she's often sexualised or infantilised in a strange way. So I kind of, yeah, I want to do a retelling of that and bring her to the forefront and make her a proper strong character. So is that yeah. Cupid as in the one with the bows and arrows? The little guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the little guy. Yeah. <laughs> in art, but... In myth, he's actually a grown, grown god. I was going to say, the idea of him, like, <laughs> copping off of someone, I know he's the one who does the, the Valentine's shit, yeah. as it were, but it's a bit of a weird image to be honest. <laughs> but, okay. I, think, I think that image came much later. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean... He's, he's sure. fully grown, let's say. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. Have yeah. you got, like, you know, are you starting to sort of look around now at, at all sorts of other stories that... Yeah. I don't know why, but I'm always drawn back to myth. Mm. Um, but particularly about women, yeah. Do you kind of view them differently now when you reread them? Do you sort of look at them for a different kind of lens? I do see how I could, like, translate them into a more modern setting, for sure. I'd probably come at it from a more feminist lens than I, when I was a student, to be honest. But as well, I think often the myths are so pure that they're not that misogynistic, they're a little bit, but maybe not as much as we think. But it's interesting the ones that we've remembered and the ones that have been kind of pushed back. And often the ones that have been forgotten are about women. Mm. So um, it's fun finding those. Okay, so I read this recently, mm. and I don't think I ever knew this, Medusa. Yes. The myth of Medusa. Mm. The one with the snakes for her hair. Yeah. turns one to stone when they look at her because of her evil face or, or whatever yeah. it is but she's a wronged woman isn't she yeah which yeah. I don't think I mean I probably I was told this story when I was like nine years old studying Greek mythology so I guess like rape yeah. isn't really a child friendly subject no. even though a lot of it does go on in the uh, in the old Greek and Roman and, and, and yeah and myths. the bible and the bible yeah. indeed and yeah. the bible yeah, yeah. A, but I don't think I think I only just very recently heard mm. that and was like Okay. Yeah. She's actually a, a victim, essentially. Yeah. yeah, she is. And it's similar with um, Circe, which Madeline Miller wrote, which is an amazing book showing the complexity of that character who was just given one tiny segment in the Odyssey and was like named a witch for her turning men into pigs. <laughs> but <laughs> turns out she had good reason. <laughs> But some we don't them, remember that stuff. <laughs> some of them do a pretty good job on their own, to be fair, yeah. in, the, in the pig stakes. Yeah. Um, so when can we kind of expect more news on that? Mm. Well, I don't know, because I'm still in the first draft, okay. and my editor hasn't seen it yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows, it could be a, a bit of work to be done. But hopefully within two years. It's supposed to be out by 2022. Molly, your book... The Island Child is mm. out now and available at all good bookshops and indeed, indeed. online. Yes. 
Where can we follow you on the sort of social medias and things like that so we can keep up with what you're doing? So on Twitter, it's at Molly Aitken one and Instagram, it's Molly.Aitken. Molly, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Hello, Hannah here. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. Standard Issue for All Women.